first reading, as I said, is Ecclesiastes. Um, it's on page 478. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the, path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigour are meaningless. Uh, second reading is 1 Corinthians um, 1, 18 to 25. It's on page 807. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise... The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Good evening, friends. Uh, welcome to church. Uh, if you're new here to church, I'm Simon. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you, even though I haven't really met you. Um, I'll be opening up the Word of God for us tonight uh, in Ecclesiastes, our third week in Ecclesiastes. I wonder if you'll bow your heads with me as we come before God's Word tonight. Let's pray. Father, we do thank and praise you for all the good things you give us. Father, we are particularly thankful for the Lord Jesus this night. Father, without him we are nothing, but in him we have life and have life to the full. And so, Father, we pray that as we look upon your word in Ecclesiastes tonight and other texts, please be gracious to us. Uh, speak to us tonight, change us to be more like our Saviour, remind us of the things that you have done for us. 
and may they be things that we rejoice in. And so give us great hope in a world where it is very scant. And so we thank you for this night, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, Like all good things, tonight we're looking at uh, this particular phrase on the screen behind you. It's coming up. Next one. If we can get rid of that thing, it'll be great. There we go. Remembering rightly redeems our rejoicing. Remembering rightly redeems our rejoicing. It might be a bit obscure right now, but I hope to unpack that for us tonight. Like all things, I start with the wisest of people to come across these things. Well, almost the wisest of people, Colin Buchanan. Um, We all love Colin. Um, I'm in that stage of life where Colin's becoming part of the fabric of my existence with a little 19-month-old child. Colin has this great song called Remember the Lord. Does anyone know that song? Remember the Lord. Oh, Oh, remember that he is in control. Remember the Lord. And he says this, even if your dad is crusty and your mum's in a flap, and you spill your custard in your sister's lap, and you're sent to, you're sent, sorry, um, and you're sent to bed and you don't know why, and you just want to cry, what do you do? Remember the Lord. Oh, remember that he is in control. I don't know if you've spilt custard in your sister's lap lately, or you've been a bit crusty, or you've been in a flap, remember the Lord. And that's probably almost the, what we needed to tell Kohelet, the writer of Ecclesiastes, remember the Lord. He is in control. I hope tonight as we look at Ecclesiastes, we'll be reminded of just who God is. Because that for Kohelet, the wise teacher of Ecclesiastes, is what he came to know. That was his experience, remembering God, his creator, throughout his whole life. As I've been exploring Ecclesiastes in the months leading up to these three-week series, as I've read it, you know, he goes from these moments of utter joy and ex- he's just ecstatic to be alive, but then he has these horrible dark moments and all I want to do is kind of hug him. Like it's almost you get through four verses and you think he's about to kind of kick some goals and then all of a sudden he is just distraught. And I just want to kind of hug the guy, you know, embrace him. Because come with me, let's just jump straight into the text. Chapter 11, verse 9. Chapter 11, verse 9. Be happy, young man, while you are still young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. In that moment, everyone, whether you're a pagan or whether you're a Christian, everyone is going, yeah, totally. Be happy, young man. Rejoice while you're young. Whatever your eyes see, just go and grab it. Love it. You know, just embrace life. That's what he's kind of saying at that point. You know, I don't know anyone who doesn't want that. Just rejoicing in your youth, being happy kind of all the time, following the ways of your heart. I don't, I don't know anyone who wouldn't just read that and go, amen, I'm into that. But then he goes, don't forget you're going to die. Bang, he needs a hug, Beaten reckon. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. You know, go, sure, party hard, enjoy life, go to all the parties, go to more parties, suck the marrow out of life, but remember, you're going to die and you're going to face God in judgment. He needs a hug. You know, the high highs of just loving life to the point where he goes, "Mm." so then, verse 10, banish anxiety from your heart, cast, cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are 
meaningless. I mean, you're going to get old and it's all meaningless. It's like vapour. Life is there for a moment and then it's gone. You can't hold on to it. And then he writes on, he, you know, he just needs a hug at this point. He then goes on, verse tw- chapter 12, verse 1, Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. But the sun and the light and the moon, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble, the strong men, they stoop, the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through windows grow dim when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When men rise up to the smallest of sound, the chirping of a bird, but all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street, when the blossom tree blossoms and then the blossom gets blown away, And the grasshopper drags himself along and desire is no longer stirred. And then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go on about the street. Vapour. It's meaningless. Live life to the full and then you die. And then you face judgment. He says it's just vapour. There's a lot of problems with that text, aren't there? Do you pick up the problems in the text? If we sum up what he's been, where he's going, he says, enjoy youth live it, get into it, but somehow you're going to get judged by God, but live life and go, you know, go crazy, party hard, but remember there is a coming day when you are going to actually not want to get out of bed. You're going to hate life because life's just hard. That's what that poem picks up for us in chapter 12. There's a problem, you know, I think the the problem is this, why not just die young and be judged? Live life, go hard, die young and then be judged. Or you can hate life and then eventually die and get judged. Good luck. Which either way? Either way, it's vanity, it's missed, it's just passing. I think at this point I just do want to hug Kohelet. Tell him it's going to be okay, man. You've got this problem in the text, and I think the problem of this text is solved by the imperatives of the text. And the two big imperatives of this text, I think, lead us to Christ Jesus. Will you come with me if we have a look at these imperatives? The first imperative comes in verse 9 of chapter 11. Verse 9 of chapter 11. Be happy, or otherwise we could say it's actually rejoice. Rejoice now, while you are still young. Human beings, I think, have a rejoicing problem. We all have a rejoicing problem. Not that we don't rejoice. It's just that we rejoice on the surface. We don't actually rejoice in the right thing. Everyone knows how to rejoice. We are, as human beings, expert rejoicers, if you want to call us that. But our rejoicing is broken rejoicing. Because if you go to a text in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1 Verse 18 and following, Paul says we have a problem with rejoicing and our problem is that we rejoice in the wrong thing. We rejoice in the creation and the things of this world, not in the creator. That's the problem. I mean, creation is lovely. The creation, the world in which we live is spectacular and amazing. 
But our worship, our rejoicing in this creation so often doesn't roll up into worshipping and rejoicing in the one who created it. We just have our eyes down gazing at the floor. We don't rejoice in God himself, the creator. And so ultimately we believe the lie. We've exchanged the truth of God, who is creator, for a lie. And so we end up worshipping the creation, not the creator. Bad exchange. And so we rejoice in the wrong thing. And Paul goes on then in that particular chapter to talk about, you know, particularly how we've just kind of blown sex to pieces. We, we are so hopeless at rejoicing God that we've now, in the particular case study he looks at is sex. How we've just miserably messed up sex as if we've outsmarted God. We know what's really going on. We know how to rejoice. I mean, you might have failed your year 10 maths exam, but no, I can outsmart God. It's an absolute nonsense. And then in Romans chapter 128, this final issue comes up. You just have failed to acknowledge God. And we see this all the time. Sports people who are born seven foot tall, who can play basketball like no one else can play basketball, can dunk like no one else can dunk. And where do they send the glory? To themselves. As if they grew to seven foot tall because they knew how to do that. We're born with this desire to glorify ourselves and to rejoice in our own ability rather than the ability that we've been given by God himself. Don't give credit where credit is due. The problem is ultimately we rejoice in the surface things, not in the ultimate thing. We don't go deep enough. We never get under the surface and give credit where credit is due. And we rejoice. We've got a rejoicing problem. But actually the second imperative, where we'll do most of the work tonight, the second imperative, it kind of beats like a drum through Ecclesiastes. And in particular, it beats like a drum through Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Have a look with me. Chapter, verse 1 and chapter 12. Remember your creator. Our rejoicing is broken. Remember your creator. And as chapter one goes, chapter twelve goes on. Remember your Creator while you are still young. Before the evil days come, remember your Creator. Before you say, "I now have no pleasure in these days anymore," remember your Creator before the golden bowl is broken, before you die. Remember your Creator. Remember your Creator. Beats like a drum through this chapter. And the question that I want to pose is, is there a way of remembering that redeems our broken rejoicing? Is there a way that we can remember so that it redeems our fractured, broken rejoicing? That's the question we have to answer. Because there's the theme that kind of arises out of the whole Old Testament. And the theme in the whole of the Old Testament is the theme of remember your creator. And in particular, the first thing we are to remember about the creator is who is God? Who am I? And we see this coming out through the prophets, through the law and through the Psalms all the time. Constantly says, God says, I am God. I created this place. I sustain it. I drive it. I will bring it to an end. That's what we see all the time through the Old Testament. 
And the wisdom literature is profound in this area. I love Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38 verses 1 to 13. It's terrifying, but it's beautiful at the same time. Flick there with me if you want. But hear these words. I've asked a lot of questions of God in my life, in my very young life. Um, But I'm glad I've never been answered like Job gets an answer in Job chapter 38. Uh, The Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? If that's a phone call, I'm hanging up. That is frightening. Who is this speaking to Job? The Lord speaking to Job. Who is this who talks to me as if they know? And Job is told, brace yourself, be like a man, get your gear on. I will question you, says God, and you will answer me. Then re- hear these words. These, I'm nervous just reading this. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out a measuring line across it? Or on what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and its bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. And to Job he says, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by its edges and shake the wicked out of it? And then in that text, there's like this pause. It's as if Job's going to give an answer. No. And then God just carries on and just says, this is who I am. And you'll also see moments of worship in, in the Psalm, Psalm 147 verse 4. God determines the stars, the number of stars in the sky, and he calls them each by name. He named them. He says, remember that I am God. You're not. I'm not. Remember, I do what you can't do. I started it. I'm driving it. I'll finish it. Remember who I am. And then God also tells us throughout the Old Testament just what he's done. What he's done for his people. What he's accomplished through his people in time. What he's done for them and to them and through them. Kohelet, the wise teacher of Ecclesiastes, knows these things. And that's why he comes back to this point. Let me just show you a couple of examples. Exodus chapter 4, verse 12, verse 14. At the institution of the Passover, just after God has drawn his people out of slavery from Egypt, God says, institute this. Remember what I have done. This is the day you are to commemorate, verse 14, chapter 12. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. You know, God says you'll get together and you remember that you were slaves and I freed you. You didn't free you, I freed you, says God. Remember that. Remember I am God and remember what I have done for you. I got you out of Egypt. You didn't get yourselves out of Egypt. I sent the plagues. 
I displayed my power over creation, my authority. I killed Pharaoh's army. I spared your sons. I allowed you to cross through the Red Sea. You're going to remember. Remember that I am God and I did this. And I walked you into the promised land. Joshua chapter 4, verse 5 and 7. People are to carry a stone through the river so that they can build a monument on the other side of the Jordan River to mark and to remember that God did a great thing for them, bringing them into the promised land. Save them from slavery and hopelessness and oppression in Egypt and then brings them into his promised land. To show that God is the one who keeps his promises, who is faithful to himself, It's a great reminder throughout the Old Testament. And then the great reminder throughout the Old Testament, this is humbling, is that God does all this not because we are awesome, but because he is awesome. I'm going to do all this because I am spectacular, says God. I do all this because I am magnificent. I've been watching the Paralympic Games and absolutely loving it. And on, I love the coverage that the ABC are doing. And on the desk, when the ABC people commentate, there's a superlative jar. Because, you know, the, the athletes there are just so incredible and inspiring that every time they use a superlative like amazing, spectacular, magnificent, incredible, they have to put a pound into the jar. I mean, I could fill thousands of jars with just how magnificent God is. We are called to remember that. Remember, chapter 12, verse 1, your creator. Remember how amazing he is, who he is, what he has done. And then we're called to remember his commands. Chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, verse 13. Remember who God is. The author of life, the sustainer of life. Remember who God is, the one who does amazing things for his people, bringing them out of slavery, bringing them into the promised land, keeping his promises, remaining faithful. Remember who I am and remember to keep my commands. God's people keep his commands because his commands lead to life. The commands line people up. They line us up with how God designed us to be. Let me make it clear. God's commands aren't about robbing us of joy. They're about leading us to it. That's why he commands things. Not to rob us of joy, but to lead us to life and to joy. Are you clear on that? We obey God. We obey Jesus Christ and all his words because they lead us to life and to joy. I want to ask you tonight, how's that working for you? How are you going with obeying God? Are you smarter than God when it comes to sex? How's that working for you? Are you smarter than God when it comes to your marriage? How's that going for you? Are you smarter than God, as we looked at last week, when it comes to work? How's that going for you? Our culture, when we come to sex and marriage and work and the list goes on, we just mess it up because we don't obey God. We don't listen to God's wise counsel on how we are to live as his people in this world. His commands are there so that we might live as we were meant to live and and be the people we're supposed to be and lead us to life 
when I hear us all the time in these realms of sex, marriage and work, I hear devastation of heartbreak, of sorrow, of disease, of disorder. Because we just don't obey God. God commands in Deuteronomy chapter 6, listen, like, write God's law on your hearts, put it on the doorposts, write it on your forehead. Live as God calls us to live. Do you see how remembering rightly redeems our broken rejoicing? Remembering God lifts us from simply rejoicing on the surface but actually as we remember who God is and what he has done for us and what he's called us to be we have real rejoicing we can see things as they are meant to be you know and then Jesus comes on the scene God in the flesh and you read of Jesus calling his disciples to remember Luke chapter 22, as Jesus himself brings in this new covenant, he celebrates the Passover and the bread becomes his body and the wine becomes his blood. Jesus says, remember me, remember this. Because it's through my body being broken and my blood being spilt that you are right with God through faith. That's what he says. So remember this. Make it an institution. Paul, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, says, remember this. Do this as often as you get together, remembering what I have done, what Jesus has done. Our rejoicing is broken. But remembering rightly, we can then rejoice rightly. We get under the surface of just rejoicing in the things of this world. We actually rejoice in who made the world himself, God. Rejoice rightly. We therefore glorify the one who deserves to be glorified. Not ourselves, but God. Because he is awesome. Paul, the great apostle Paul, preached the gospel on the frontier he was known he's credited for preaching the gospel on so many levels and in so many places planting churches reaching new people for christ and he's known for that and he's credited for that rightly but what do we find paul so often doing preaching the gospel to christians preaching the gospel to people who are already believing in the lord jesus christ why does he do that because so often we forget So often we drift, so often we just wander away from the truth. We forget and then we assume the gospel. We don't remember. And because we don't remember, what do we end up doing? We end up rejoicing on the surface and not actually rejoicing in what we're called to rejoice in, into God himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 we so much listen to the wisdom of the world and believe the lie that wisdom is found in this world but then god says in that passage where is the wise person where is the sage where's the debater of this age has not god shamed their wisdom god's wisdom is found at the cross that god reconciles the world to himself through the body and blood of jesus that's wisdom And then come with me, let's close, let's uh, come to 1 Corinthians 15. Where Paul, again, speaking to Christians, 
speaking in many ways to a church that's gone kind of wild. In verse 1, Paul speaks to brothers and sisters, those in Christ at Corinth. I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, remind you of what we are to to rightly think about, the gospel. And you see it there? The gospel that I preach to you, past tense, which you've received and on which you take your stand, present tense, right now, this time, right now, tonight, by this gospel, the gospel of Christ crucified and risen again, you are saved, present, if you hold firmly to the word, future, present. That's your life. Remembering rightly will lead us to rejoice in the right thing, into Christ. Not just the things of this world. Not like we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, work and the good gifts that come from work. We won't just rejoice in them. We'll rejoice in the one who gives us those things. And our wisdom as we live in this world comes from Christ, knowing Christ and his cross. And so, friends, my encouragement to us all tonight, who are probably on the younger side of the spectrum, Friends, I want you, as we are young people, as, as Ecclesiastes says, rejoice in your youth. Make the most of your young life that you have. Don't make much of yourself, make much of Christ. Because he is eternal. He is raised from the dead. He is eternal. Make much of Christ. Use your youthful vigor, your strength, your passion, your zeal to make much of him. It's a challenge to myself to not just get bogged down in the day-to-day of life, but to make much of Christ with the youth and the zeal and the passion we have. Before those days come where I I will say, I have no pleasure in them, should the Lord allow me to live that long. We've got to remember, we've got to stop trying to earn what we are freely given. You know, as Coelette explored the world, he was trying to basically earn meaning in life to find meaning in life making sense of life out of all the parts of this world and he kept coming up with that same word all the time vapor meaningless mist just doesn't last all that Kohelet attempted was just vapor a chasing after the wind remember that God has saved you remember that in Christ you have been redeemed He has saved you. We're most offensive to the gospel when we forget the gospel. When we think it's actually down to us to do the hard work. It's God who's worked in us and brought us to himself. So that we can rejoice in him. That's real joy. That's lasting joy. And so friends, meditate on the gospel. We're saved by the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself day after day after day. Remind yourself that it's Jesus who is awesome, not me. 
Yet I get to participate in his mission. And finally, let me land the plane. Some of us here are young and we're on, you know, we've just taken off and things are looking pretty good. We're cruising up to our cruising altitude. Some of us here tonight are, well, we're at cruising altitude and we're kind of just waiting for the, you know, the cart to come back so we can get our second drink on the flight. We're just kind of taking our time. We're cruising along. Some of us here tonight are on the descent. Tray tables up, seats back, up in the, up in the position. We're about to land. In 100 years' time, all of us will not be here. We will be dead. But here's, some, here's the reality for tonight. We are two hours or so closer to the day where we will meet our God and Father, our Judge. How are you going with rejoicing? What are you rejoicing in? That's the big question. Are you going deeper? Or are you just kind of consumed with the world around you and you're not actually rejoicing in the thing that you ought to be rejoicing in God himself? Have you become so blinkered to what's really going on? You know, are you looking at your wife? Are you looking at your husband? Are you looking at your family? Are you looking at your money, your children, your success? All aspects of your life and remembering and saying, isn't God spectacular? Isn't God amazing for giving me these things? Are you remembering the price that God paid for you? blood and body of Christ and so rejoicing in that and rejoicing that no more do you need to fear death in Christ Jesus death where is your sting because Christ has overcome that isn't the father spectacular that should stir in us a passion for God's glory not our own I wonder tonight, is your, is your joy just, is your rejoicing shallow? Are you swimming in the kiddie pool, not in the deep ocean? My hope is that the Holy Spirit will so invade every simple act of our lives this week. From the most mundane to the most glorious, humanly speaking, and we will turn our, the Holy Spirit will just cause us to rejoice in God for giving us those things. Because that's the firm foundation that is unshakable and lasting. The foundation that Kohelet in Ecclesiastes came back to. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. Because by remembering your creator and by remembering that in Christ you cannot be touched. Jesus, in him you are secure from all things. Ultimately, from the greatest of all evils that Kohelet kept coming against, which was death. In him you have life and to the full. And yes, you might die, but praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who first raised him from the dead, and so in him we too will rise. Rejoice in that. Because no matter what comes your way, hardship, pain, toil, suffering, you can rejoice because you remember rightly who God is and what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. Unmoved, rejoicing. Remembering rightly 
redeems our rejoicing. Let's pray. Father, we want you to help us celebrate you at every turn in our lives. Help us to remember who you are and what you have done and so rejoice rightly. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. May our knowledge and faith in him invade every corner of our lives, at work, at home, in our hard times, in the good times. Father, may we be people who make much of you always. We do pray this for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.